Well, as you heard, we're getting ready for our vision week coming up and the different evenings for the different people and then culminating in Saturday where uh, we're going to have a great training day, learning to uh, finally hone our pastoral skills in the church and in the cells. And then on the Sunday as well, Colin will be speaking on uh, vision for the church in 2014. So um, it's going to be a great week together. And we are at the moment in the 2.30 looking at a series on Creator God, Our Father. And um, when this series finishes next weekend, we will be moving into a new series, coming out of this series really, related to it, on God Cares for you. God cares for you. And then out of that, in the next uh, month, we'll be looking at prayer that gets results. So this is the journey that we're going on here at the 2.30 service. And um, I've been able to do the series this month because David Wellington's doing the five o'clock teaching series on worship and it's interactive as well so he's teaching on worship and then as he teaches and the things that he teach we go in and practice during that service so it's a lot of fun and it's a it's very powerful but today we're looking in this series on the subject of made in God's image calling those things that are not as though they were calling those things that are not as though they were I've been saying over the course of this month that there are two main aspects of the knowledge of God. God the Redeemer, the Saviour, but also God the Creator. And in our Bible-believing churches, and we know that you must be born again, and we understand that you have to have a personal relationship with the Saviour, we're quite good on the knowledge of Jesus who saves, Jesus who redeems, Jesus who heals the saving. But when we come to God the Creator, there's not the same sort of familiarity with the truths of God being created. We believe that God created, but so what? So what? What does that mean for our daily life that God created? Over the last couple of weeks, we've been saying this is why it's important that God creates. Because God has not only created the universe, he didn't create the universe like a watchmaker created a watch and then wound it up, put it down, and walked away. We've said that God is intimately involved in his creation every moment of the day, all the time. And that God is as interested in the mighty galaxies, sorry, God is interested in the mighty galaxies, but he's just as interest, interested in the tiny, tiny microscopic cells. Just as interested. And we looked at how God as creator also means that God cares for his creation, is the governor of his creation, is in control of everything that takes place. But today we're going to focus a little bit on the fact that, yes, God created the universe and the earth and all the creatures in it. But when God created mankind, male and female, he created them. He created them specially, special creation. We human beings are the only creation that was made in his image and in his likeness. And that's very, very important for us to understand, not just theologically, but practically. I'm going to come to that today. But I want to start, before we get into Genesis, I want to start 
with a creation psalm, Psalm 8. We've looked at some of the creation psalms together over these weeks, and we found that the psalmists, when they speak about creation, they always speak about the glories of creation, but they then speak about our daily lives. The glories of creation are linked to our daily lives. So when you read the creation psalms, look for it. God, they will be speaking about the greatness of God's creation, the marvels of God, God's creation, and then next thing, he'll be speaking about God's victories in our personal lives. And if you looked at it, you might think, this is a bit strange. I thought this was talking about creation and the majesty of creation, but suddenly, we've got God saving us. Well, that's because when you understand creation, it changes your daily life. So let's look at this psalm, Psalm 8, and notice how God talks about creation, but notice also how he talks about our personal lives with him. Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you've established strength or praise. Because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honour. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. As I've said, if you've been following this series, we've spent quite a bit of time in the creation psalms, and notice how God goes from creation to our personal lives. And we see it here. We see the psalmist is saying, how majestic is all your name in the earth. You've set your glories, uh, glory above the heavens. And in this psalm especially, we see the psalmist looking up into the heavens and the glory of the heavens, the glory of the stars and the vast expanse and galaxies. And of course, the psalmist doesn't know the half of it, does he? Compared to what we know today with our great radio telescopes and, uh, and just the, the universe is just mind-blowing, isn't it? when you examine it, when you think about it, when you read about it, not just looking at the stars, but when you realize how big it is, it's mind-blowing. But notice how one minute he's looking at the mind-blowing heavens and universe, and the next moment he's thinking about children. See? That's strange. Thinking about the glories of the galaxies, the next moment, babies. From the great, great heavens to babies. He's saying, God, you're God of the heavens, you're, you're God of, of the great expanses, how, how majestic, how glorious, how powerful, how awesome you are. But babies, babies, you use babies, little babies that, that aren't talking or thinking yet, just little vulnerable babies when they lift their voice, when they gargle and Google, well, not Google, you know, but <laughs> when they gargle, and make noises, there's something in it. It's your praise. Remember, all the the heavens and the earth is praising God. And although the world is fallen, 
broken, yet it's still out of its brokenness praises God. When you hear the birds, when you hear the rain, it's praising the Lord. Remember last week, and we looked at that psalm, and um, we spoke about, and, and some of you had experienced it too. If you've ever been in Anglican churches or Catholic churches, and, and they were going, all your heavens and all your earths, praise ye the Lord. And all the fish in the sea and all the birds in the air, praise ye the Lord. And I was saying as a boy, I used to, when they used to sing that, I used to think, wow, this, is, this goes on forever. I thought they're going to name every creature, every bird, every subdivision, and it's just everything praising the Lord. And I remember thinking, this is going on and on and on and on. But then I also went thinking, wow, that's amazing. That we could go through every living creature, the ants and the bees, praise ye the Lord, you know. The sparrows and the blackbirds, praise ye the Lord. The dogs and the cats, praise ye the Lord. And you can just go on, go on, and they are praising God. So here's the greatness of creation. But now we've got a baby. And God can use a baby to still the enemy, to stop the enemy. He can take the weakest, most vulnerable thing and out of it ordain praise or strength to stop the enemy. The God in, who is so great is also able to strengthen and empower that which is small. Then again, having looked at the heavens and looking at little babies, googling and goggling, he then looks at the heavens again and goes, wow, the glory and the might and the power of our God. But then he looks at the heavens and says, but this is just the work of your fingers. This isn't some heavy labour where God had to get his hard hat helmet on and his big picker, and, and give his strength, you know, a hard labour's day where he's working and labouring and using all his strength to create the massive universe and all the galaxies that we have. But this is fingers. It, I thought when I was reading this, it reminded me of when I was a boy and I used to do scale models of Spitfires and tanks, airfix. Anybody ever done an airfix model? Gabriel, it's me and you. Anyone ever done an Airfix? You done Airfix models? Yeah, Airfix. Well, Airfix models, they come in little boxes and they're tiny little pieces. Tiny, I mean tiny, some of them. And you get your little glue and your little paints and you break the pieces off the, um, the frame and then you slowly, with your little, I mean, you've got to be very delicate. Mine didn't turn out so good. Glue used to splurge everywhere and everything. But anyway, it was fun while it lasted. But if you're doing it well, Tiny, it's all about your little fingers. You know, ladies, you might not be doing airfix models. Maybe you're doing needlework. I don't know. What, what do you do? <laughs> or jewellery making. You get one of those little girls' jewellery kits. Anybody ever had a little girl's jewellery kit? Gabriel? <laughs> never know. You never know. <laughs> making it for his uh, girlfriend and thing. Anyway, back to it. Little, this work of your fingers. So... <laughs> When we think of the universe, just mind-blowing, you can't even get in your mind how big and great the universe is. And God is saying, oh yeah, that, that's like me doing you know, a little jewellery kit. That's like me doing a little um, model airplane. I have to use my little fingers because for me it's so small. Doesn't that just blow your mind? And this isn't just, oh, 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 great, like I said, oh, great, God's big. No, this is the God that lives in you by his spirit. This is the God that cares. When you just wake up and you're a little bit sad, he cares that you're a little bit sad. 
And so from going from the stars which you've set in place, the psalmist says, what is man that you're so mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? In other words, the psalmist is saying, you're so big, so great, so powerful, so awesome, that the whole universe is like a little jewelry kit that you're making with the little fingers. It, you know, it's not, it's not hard, back-breaking, building work. It's just little fingers. And yet, you care for us. You don't just care for human beings, but you exalt them. You've made us a little lower than the heavenly beings, but you've crowned us. You honor us. You, you want to give us glory. You've given us authority over the works of your hands, over, whole, over the whole of creation, over the earth. You put things under our feet. We're not like the rest of creation. We're here to rule creation. The sheep and the oxen, we're not like sheep and oxen. We're not animals like that. The beasts, we're not like the beasts. We rule the beasts. The birds, as beautiful as they are, we are we're not linked to them. We didn't evolve from them. The fish of the sea, we, didn't, we were not fish that became reptiles, that became animals, that became monkeys, that became human monkeys. God, you set us apart. And when we go to Genesis 1 now, this shows us that the human beings, we have set apart from the rest of creation. We are special. This is why the dignity of every human being is paramount in the Christian faith. This is why things like abortion, we have very strong views. We do not believe in abortion. Why? Because it's not just an animal in an animal's womb. It's a human being a special creation human being that's made in God's image, that's set apart from the rest of creation. We are not just, we are not animals like other animals are. We are special human beings or set apart, made in the image of God. Now, that doesn't mean that if you have ever had an abortion that there isn't forgiveness and healing, there is for you. But nevertheless... No child should be aborted. I'm glad I was not aborted in 1968, because I could have been. I'm glad my 14-year-old mother was a Roman Catholic and went away to a home for eight, seven, eight months and then had me and gave me up for adoption. I'm very pleased that I'm still alive. And so the special, how special you are, every individual, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, you are special. God says you're, you're even more special than all that incredible creation that just blows your mind. One, the lowliest human being is more important to God than the whole of creation. Do you hear me? This is why this, this, is, why this is so important. To understand how much God loves you and values you when the creation, the seas, and, the, and all the beauties of the glories of God's creation, yet you, you alone, by yourself, are more precious to God. He would rather dissolve the whole universe than lose you. His son didn't die for the universe so much as for you. Genesis, in the beginning, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
in the beginning God created, and then we have these nine God said, God said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and there was. God said, let the waters of the heavens be gathered into one place, and there was. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds, fruit trees, and there was. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from their night, and there was. And God said, let there be waters, it let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly across the earth. Uh, above the spans of the heavens, and it was. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, etc. And there was, and God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us, in verse 26, one, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Can you see how Psalm 8 is echoing what we're reading? Psalm 8 speaks about the dominion of human beings over the rest of creation. And Psalm 8 shows that what is God, after all this great creation, why is God so mindful of us? Because we are created in his image. So God created in his image, his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So human beings are made in the image of God above the animals. Above the animals. Today, most people in this nation seem to think that we are just another animal. Just an animal that's just got a little bit further in evolution. We're nothing of the sort. Absolutely. Yes, we are part of God's same creation. Yes, the same God that creates trees and bananas and apes and creates us. And of course, there's similarities. The signature of God is in all of his creation. But we are set apart. Set apart. A dog is not made in the image of God. A cat is not made in the image of God. A lion is not made in the image of God. But you are. You are. He's put something of who he is in you. And when it speaks about making us in the image of God, well, so far, reading Genesis 1, what is God like? I know we can look at the image of God throughout the Bible and say, well, how are we made in his image? But let's just stay with the flow of Genesis 1. God does all these things. Then he says, I'm going to make humankind in my own image. Now, if we were to say, well, what have we learned about God in Genesis 1, verse 1, to Genesis 1, verse 26? If we're going to be made made like God, what is God like so far in Genesis? Well, the big thing that God is like is that God speaks. God speaks. Ten times, right up to the the thing he said, let us make man in our own image. Ten times times it says and God said so the God that we're reading about so far in the Bible is a God that speaks how many of the other created beings speak none they make noises birds sing but none of them has language none of them speaks the bird doesn't speak The the fish don't speak. 
They make noises, but they do not have speech or words. Human beings are the only creation that can speak in words and communicate through language. So this God, ten times it says, and God said, the human capacity to speak is made in the image of God. There's other aspects as well, but I just want to focus on that today. The capacity to speak God gave to humans. And we see that once he created them, God gave humans a special blessing. Verse 28, and God blessed them. Notice, before God told us to do anything, he put his blessing on us. God's blessing is upon you, do you know that? For his purposes. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for our lives. He has a plan for you, me, our families, and us together as Kensington Temple. He has a plan for our lives in 2014. And guess what? He's already blessed us. Because his blessing is on us, he says, God blessed them and said to them, spoke to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all creation. Notice that. I know it's a little bit simple, but if you get it, it's powerful. When God said, let there be light, what actually happened? Light was formed and it's still formed today. God only had to say it once. He said, let there be light. And once he said it, do you know that word, let there be light? Do you know that word is still echoing around the universe today? He said it once, and that power of that word is still, all light that we have is upheld by that word. God spoke it, it did. All these ten things that God said, let there be. It didn't say God thought in his mind, and God thought, let there be light, and there was light. It doesn't say that, does it? And God thought, let there be fish, and there was fish. And God thought, let, let there be man, and there was man. Didn't it? it wasn't thought power. It was vocalized. It was spoken. And the same God that said, let there be light, and physical light came, said, be fruitful and multiply. This is important for us, again, to understand God as creator and then translate it into our daily life. When God says something to us through his word, or prophetically, and it's true, or God speaks something into our hearts, it's the, it comes with the same power that spoke the whole of creation into order. Do you know what I'm saying? So when we have trouble believing God's word, just look at the stars. Because the same voice, the same word that created the universe and keeps the universe going is the same word that spoke that prophetic word into your heart about a situation. Remember what we're saying. God is not just interested in the big things. The fact that he's interested in the big things shows he's got power in his interest in the small things. He knows every hair on your head. He knows intimately. A sparrow can't fall to the ground. I spoke about this a couple of weeks without his knowledge of it, without his permission. He's not stepped back. We're not theists. He has not, deist, sorry, he has not stepped back from his creation and said, oh, well, you know, just, just get on with it. 
He is intimately and actively involved with every aspect of the universe, the grand galaxies in orbit with one another. He is intimately involved with that, and he is intimately involved with every one of those billions and billions of cells in your body. He's intimately, he knows every one of those billion cells by name, if they had a name. Wow. Come on, we can do all things through Christ. Come on, we can believe God. We can believe God for breakthrough. We can believe God for a soul. We can believe God when we're in difficult circumstances. We can believe him. Because the God that spoke the universe is speaking words right now to us and through us. I mean, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock? God's word has power over creation. That's why God can say, take some bread and fish and bless it and multiply it. God's word is all-powerful. There's no situation or circumstance in creation, past, present, or future, that God is not over and able not only to do what he wants to do because he's the creator, but also to redeem because he's the redeemer. Is not my word like a fire. Is not my word like a hammer. It's a physical force. We, we have this silly phrase in English. Words, sorry, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. In other words, you can say what you like because it's just words. Just words. But, you know, if you hit me with a stick, ouch, I felt, felt that. If you throw a stone at me, ow, that's real. That's a real stick, a real stone. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, as if words aren't real. Actually, it's the reverse. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will bless or curse thee. Tell you what, words are more powerful. And God, he said, my word is like a hammer. It's like Thor, you know Thor, that character and his hammer. It's hammer time. He comes down, where's my hammer? Once he's got that hammer, I'm telling you. If it, without his hammer in that first Thor film, when he couldn't find his hammer, he was useless. And he kept trying to be strong. He kept trying to be a superhero. But Thor, without his hammer, was useless. The child of God, without his hammer, is useless. When I was watching that, Lord spoke to me and he said, where's your hammer? Thought, what do you mean, where's my hammer? Where's your hammer? Because without your hammer, you're useless. But with, your ha with the hammer of God's word, you are powerful. Uh, we also read in Isaiah 55 verse 10, worth turning there. Isaiah 55. Isaiah, all right, well, well, let me go back because I just want to, it's here again, it's the creation again, it's creation and then what's going on in our lives. So let's just go to verse nine because it's another illustration of the use of creation. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, well, they are pretty high, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain, it's creation again, 
as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to sower and bread to eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void, empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing with which I sent it. We're looking at God's word. God's word is saying it's like a messenger. God's word. Words are containers. Containers. And God says my words contain power to bring about what the words say. In every one of God's promises, in those promises themselves contains the power to bring about the promise. And how do you release the promise? You speak it. You pray it. You take it to the Lord and you speak it. You prophesy it. And when you release the word, you release the power. And God says, when my word goes out, it's like a messenger. The word leaves my lips and it's almost concrete in form. Not just, words are not, when we're talking about anointed words, words is not just information. Oh, I'm speaking information that's in my mind. No, not according to the Hebrew, Hebrews, not according to the Bible. The Hebrew word, devar, the word has power. And God says, when I speak, the word goes out of my mouth and I just walk away and because I know that that word is going to do its work and then it won't come back to me until it's done its job. It's like a divine boomerang. You chuck that boomerang properly and walk away. Careful, it'll hit you in the back of your head because it's going to come back. And God's word is like a boomerang. He speaks it. And you might say, hey, he's spoken it a long time ago. He spoke it hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, perhaps. He spoke a word of prophecy. We haven't seen the prophecy fulfilled. Don't worry. The word's out there like a boomerang, and it's not coming back until it's done the job. Behold, I am coming soon, says the Lord. Well, he's taking his time about it. 2,000 years and counting. Don't you worry. That word's working. That word, behold, I'm coming soon. That word is out there working power in history. It's out there. Prophetic words from God, they're out there. And when we pray them, we're strengthening and and releasing fresh power. Words are containers. Question is, what's in the container of your words? Sometimes we speak, don't we, even naturally. We speak about... um, empty words don't we oh those are empty words sometimes you know somebody's boasting about what they're going to do and who they are and their authority and their power they're boasting and we just say you know empty words what do we mean they don't have the power they don't have the ability or the power to do what they're talking about that the words are empty meaningless empty words but sometimes You have people where you know, especially people of great authority in whatever realm that that might be. And sometimes we call them the heavyweights. You know, they're arguing about politics in the parliament and then out come the big guns, the heavyweights, the, the top leaders of the different parties. And when they get forward to say their words, everybody stops. Everybody listens. This isn't some jumped up person who's gonna just 
natter away. This is somebody with words that are weighty, weighty words. Why? They've got so much power. When that man or that woman speaks, everybody listens. Why? Because there is force and power behind what they're saying. Isn't that true? Well, God has made us in his image. And part of that image is, is that much of what we must accomplish is through words. Let me take you quickly to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Because you might say, well, is, is this speaking really, really, really part of who God is? And is this speaking and confessing God's word really, really part of what we should be doing? Or are you just, or, or maybe Bruce, you're just like majoring on a minor or blowing something out of proportion? Well, I don't think so. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Romans chapter 4, the chapter in which R.T. Kendall will be with us in a couple of weeks or so, the chapter that he believes revival will come out of. R.T. Kendall believes in Romans chapter 4 contains the information and the anointing for the next revival. And we see that Abraham is needing a miracle. He's as good as dead when it comes to childbearing, and so is his wife. And God gives him a promise and speaks a word, you shall have a child and he shall be Isaac. And it says that Abraham believed God, verse 17, as it is, Abraham believed God, as it is written, and not just written, spoken, I have made you a father of many nations. When God spoke that promise, I have made you a father of many nations, it was just as powerful as when he said, let there be light. Same God, same word, same power. When God just drops a little thing into your heart, when God just speaks a little thing to you about your career or your job or your finance, just promises you something, a little promise with a little power? No, it's the same God that said, let there be light. Know it, it'll come to pass. And so it says, in the presence of God, in whom he believed. Well, what was the God whom he believed? What was Abraham's God like? If you took Abraham's God and distilled him down to his major characteristics, if you said, oh, Abraham, I haven't got time, I'm busy. Can you tell me who your God is? In two, in, give me two aspects of your God to sum up, sum up your God. He says, in the presence of God in whom he believed, this is my God who gives life to the dead and calls, calls, speaks those things that are not as though they were, speaks into existence the things that do not exist in my English standard version. Wow! So this is a God who raises from the dead. It's saviour. He's the redeemer, the saviour. But he's also the God that speaks into existence those things that don't exist. He's creator, you see? Abraham knew the creator and the saviour. You know the saviour, do you know the creator? Not just, oh yes, he created, but what that means for you today in the situations that you face, the obstacles that surmount you, the things that God has called you to do, it's not enough. 
just to know him as saviour. You have to know his creative ability and power and lordship and providence over all of creation and everything that happens in his jurisdiction. Whatever happens in the universe is under God's jurisdiction. Nothing gets by him. He's not so busy in one corner that he missed what happened in the other corner. He's not so busy with the great big galaxies that he doesn't see what's happening with the ants in the ant hill. He is involved with everything. Everything's under his power. Everything's under his control. Even the devil can't do anything without his permission. And when the devil means it for bad, God always turns it for good, even with Job, especially with Joseph and also with Christ. Every time the devil does something, it ends up being turned around to God's glory. The devil just can't win. Just can't win. Seems to be winning. But in the end, he just can't beat the saviour. He just can't beat the creator because the devil was created. So we see this. I like what Charles Capps says. And I quote from one of his books. Just listen to this. Now speaking about ourselves. God's word that is conceived in your heart, then formed by the tongue, and spoken out of your mouth, becomes a spiritual force releasing the ability of God within you. I'll say that again. God's word that is conceived in your heart, then formed by the tongue, and spoken out by your mouth, becomes a spiritual force releasing the ability of God within you. Notice he didn't just say, whatever you say releases the force of God. didn't just say, whatever comes out of your mouth releases the force of God. He said, God's word that is conceived in your heart. We haven't got time to go into it, but you know, don't you, all the parable of the sowers? The sower sows the seed, and the seed is God's word, and the seed falls on different types of hearts, and the stony heart, the seed is useless. If you've got a stony heart, you can speak the seed all you want, meaningless, powerless. Stony heart won't do it. And the other hearts we could look at as well, but we're not. We'll come straight to the soft heart. The soft heart. Soft to God and soft to your fellow men. You say, how do I have a soft heart? It has to be soft to God. It also has to be soft to your fellow men. If you have bitterness or anger or unforgiveness in your heart, forget it. It's not good ground for God's word. But if you're softening your heart, you might not be, you know, if you, you don't have to be perfect, friends, but if you're working on softening your heart, then the, then the seed will go in. And in that environment, what will take place? It will germinate. This word, this Bible is nothing without the Spirit of God. It's nothing. False religionists can read this, it means nothing to them. The letter prophets, nothing. I tell you what, once the Holy Ghost comes upon the word, it begins to be life, spirit and life. And when that seed is conceived in your heart and it begins to live and it begins to grow, how does it produce fruit? How does it release power? It bears fruit and germinates through your mouth. The seed comes up, and at the right time, as that seed in your heart grows, and faith grows, and the word grows, it'll come out of your mouth. 
You can't speak if a seed of God's word is living and active in your heart, germinating, growing, ready to bear fruit. If that's in your heart, you can't speak something else. It'll start to change out of your heart comes who you are. And the mouth, sooner or later, the mouth will speak what's in the heart. I mean, you can for a while deceive somebody, speak one thing, but you've got a totally different thing in your heart. You can do that for a while, but after a while, I'm sorry, the right situation, the right pressures, the right circumstance, after a while, out of your heart, sooner or later, will come what's in it, blessing or cursing. And so that which is in your heart must be spoken. You say, well, does it have to be spoken? Yes. I often have to force myself to pray out loud. I'm one of these deep thinkers. Well, I like to think I am. So I'll be sitting there in my car thinking, thinking and praying in my mind. I'm not saying that, that, that God doesn't hear that. But that's not the way. That's not the primary way. And sometimes I think, Bruce, you should really be speaking this. I'm thinking, God can hear my heart. I don't really want this energy to speak. You should really be speaking this. And sometimes I have this tension. I'm just thinking, no, you should really be speaking this. And then I thought, okay, I'm going. So I begin to speak what I'm praying in my heart. I begin to speak in prayer or just speak out over the situation what's in my heart from God. And as I begin to speak, I feel change. You know what I'm talking about? You know the difference between praying aloud and just praying in your mind. But also, you know, sometimes you don't feel like praying aloud. It feels like a bit of effort. And of course, God does hear our mind. We can pray. I'm not, please, I'm not dismissing praying in your mind. But I'm telling you, give voice to it. God, it never said, God thought, let there be light. And there was light. Your tongue is so powerful. Your words are containers of creative power or destructive power. Words describe, according to Romans 4.17, words describe those things that are not. Have you ever spoken to someone and they're encouraging you? And they're saying something about your future. Come on, you're going to do it. No, you're going to get through. And they begin to speak positive words about your future. They begin to encourage you with positive words. And those words lift you. And those words get you. And those words, you're going to do it. You're going to make it. You're going to break through. The change is going to come. You're going to overcome. You're going to go forward. And someone's speaking words. And they're describing what you're going to be, how you're going to be like, how it's going to change, how it's going to be blessed. They are blessing you. I mean, in the Old Testament, blessing and cursing, it was incredible. I mean, blessing was so powerful that once you blessed somebody, you couldn't bless somebody with that which you blessed them because you'd already done it. You know, Esau, oh God, oh Father, Father, bless me. Bless me. Bless me, Esau. Too late. Why? I've already spoken it. Well, can't you just suck it up? I mean, you were deceived, Father. I mean, the man got the blessing by deception. Surely that cancels the power. No. I've spoken the blessing. Wow. We need to get out of Western mindset. Sticks and stones, break my bones, say what you like, doesn't matter. We need to begin to know the power of blessing. Parents, bless your children. I mean, bless them. I mean, there's sometimes when my daughter's, when I'm with my daughter, I just put my hand on her. 
often when she's asleep, just put my hand on her, stop blessing her. Hey, if Abraham can bless his, his son, if, if Jacob can, if this is, if Jesus, I'm just putting my hand, blessing her. And I'm thinking, do you know what? This must be incredible blessing because I'm her father. And the power of a father or a mother's blessing on their children must be a million billion times more than anybody else, correct? Or, hey, if you have a godly grandparent, hey, get their hands on your head, get their hands on your kid's head. Just get, it, get the blessing, trust me. There's power in generational blessing. The blessing, hands laid on, bless one another. I mean, in the New Testament, it says one of the, one of the, uh, one of the basic doctrines, Hebrews says, the basic ABC doctrines is the doctrine of the laying on of hands. And laying of hands comes with blessing. Powerful, powerful. And finally, remember the power of the tongue in James. James is all about going through your trials. And I'm telling you, the biggest pressure on your tongue is during the trial period. I don't know, when I look back at my life, some of the trials I've been through, I mean... I don't rejoice, but I, there's times I've sworn at God. The times I have swore, I have given him a few choice words. I'm not proud of that. I'm just telling you the truth to be real. But there's other times in a trial as you grow where you, you speak words to God that are so pure. Despite everything that you're going through, it's yet, Lord, I trust you. Powerful words. Pressure. Isn't it under pressure? You go, I wish I hadn't said that. Yes, you do wish you hadn't said that. But the pressure got to you and pressed out that which was in you. You know what I'm saying? And James said, you know what? When you're under pressure, make sure it's pure water that comes out of your mouth. Don't let it go. Don't let those negative words go. Don't let those criticizing words go. Don't let those things... You can discuss and talk about a situation, but you know when you're cursing in that situation. Speaking about swearing now, you know when you're cursing someone or speaking ill of someone and when you're discussing a situation, correct? Out of your mouth. The Bible says, it's doing it again, that clock. Here we go again. Every jolly... Does this... Hallelujah. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. We're going to start this. It's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? <laughs> it's time to end, it's telling me. It says this, that your words are like the rudder on a big ship. Tiny little rudder, massive ship. You don't go where you think you're going. You don't go where you hope you're going. You go where you speak you're going. In your relationships, in your career, in your ministry, you don't go where you think you're going, where you plan you're going, you go where you speak. Little rudder, and finally, the bit and bridle in a horse. Tiny little bit, big strong horse. The horse goes where the bit takes it. Your words, that's what the, this is what we talk, that's what the image of God is. You're the only part of God's creation that can speak. And you too, under God's anointing, can call those things that are not as though they were. 
2014 is not. We've just begun, isn't it? It's not. 2013 has, 2013 has been. 2040 is not. So who's going to call what 2014 is going to be? Who's, is the devil going to call it? Is the Prime Minister going to call 2014? Who's going to call it? I say we begin to call 2014 that is not as we want it to be, according to the will of God. That we say, wait a second, in 2014, I'm going to call those things. 2014 is a thing. I'm going to call those things. I'm going to call this year that is not as though it were, and it is going to be a year of breakthrough, a year of prayer, a year of discipline, a year of strength, a year of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, a year of mercy, a year of grace. I'm calling those things. I'm speaking those things. I'm praying those things. And guess what? Those things will go before you and create this year according to the plan of God. God bless you.